Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight the incredible thought leaders and personalities in our community and discover who they are at home, at work, and in between. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Dana Johnson, your host for this podcast and the FY23 SWE president. Welcome to Diverse, a SWE podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast. On today's episode of Diverse, I am joined by Mandeep Gill. In her current role, Mandeep manages the technical documentation, labeling, and UXD portfolio from the BD Shandigar R&D Center in India. She truly embodies the BD way in all that she does, driving meaningful business impact, whether it is her day job as a people manager or in volunteer roles. She does what is right and helps each other be great. Thank you for joining us today, Mandeep, and let's jump right in. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dana. Appreciate it. And I'm excited to be part of this podcast today. Wonderful. Well, we're excited to have you. Now here on Diverse, how we usually start with some of our podcasts is we want to talk a little bit about you and what sparked your interest in STEM way back when. Right, absolutely. So I'll start with, you know, my story as to how I actually got into STEM and, you know, my first, I would say the stint with computers or, you know, programming. And this was when I was in class 11. So in India, we call it class, or you could also say it like grade 11. And that was when I was at the age of 17. So I was studying in a boarding school here in India. And, you know, that was the first time I was introduced to information technology. And this is years ago, right? And computers and as an optional subject for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my first assignment, you know, in grade 11, when I was, you know, when I started the subject of computers was to create flyers for a sports day event for our school. And you won't believe what application I used at that time. It was word perfect. Uh, (laughs) I remember the word perfect days. So (laughs) I feel like that's um, fallen out of grace with a lot of people, but go ahead. So, you know, and uh, as I speak, I can, you know, even visualize the application, right? You know, so it was word perfect. And I'm talking about 1996, 97, right? So that's how I, you know, slowly got fascinated by, you know, what all the computers can do, because it was all I did was just create a flyer. And I was so excited that I could, you know, be a part of, you know, something so important for my school and create flyers for my sports day. And I fell in love with computers at that time. So, you know, during those two years uh, in in grade 11 and grade 12, that's the time, you know, I learned basic programming. I learned Fox Pro and, you know, I got a bit of, you know, hands-on experience on coding as well with Fox Pro. So then when I had to pursue my graduation after grade 12, I initially actually, you know, enrolled into commerce and economics, believe me. And after three months, I later switched to computer science because my actual, you know, love was computer science. So I left commerce and I moved to computer science and then I, you know, landed up doing my master's in computer science and information technology as well. So that's how I was introduced to STEM. So that experience in 11th grade or class 11, was that your first time using a computer? Yes, absolutely. First time using a computer and 
did a great job. And that's what, you know, got me to where I am today. Well, that's a pretty quick turnaround from 11th grade, class 11, using a computer to three months into your your college degree, understanding that you want to change your major to computer science. So yes, a a streamlined process there. I'm impressed. (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, my grade 11 and grade 12, so like they were two years. And then, you know, I went in to pursue my graduation and in India, graduation and post-graduation in my field, what I did was it was a total of five years. And that's where actually, you know, I started with hardcore programming. I did Java, I did C, C++, Visual Basic and all the coding languages that were in as, you know, as the technology or the languages at that time. I even studied project management at that time. And, you know, so I totally got into coding. I never thought I would actually even get into what the field that I am today because I really wanted to be a coder initially. But then, yes, eventually I landed up my first job as a technical writer. Excellent. Well, let's poke a little bit at your time studying computer science and programming in college before we jump over to technical documentation. Absolutely. When you were in college, how was that experience? Did you have mentors that helped you along the way or anything like that? Well, you know, Dana, honestly, at the time I was growing up in school or even college, you know, uh, we did not really have this concept of mentor or advisor, you know, from where I am coming to the city in Chandigarh. And exactly, you know, that's why when I see students or young professionals today, I understand the need and why one should have a mentor to provide that unbiased advice and support. I missed having that in the initial years. And now I realize that if I had a mentor, probably, you know, I mean, no doubt I would have definitely selected STEM and computers, but maybe they would have guided me, you know, in some way or the other for making some other choices, probably with respect to coding or, you know, testing or any other field in that, or maybe just guided me as a mentor. But I did not have that. And that's what compels me. You know, it makes me believe in mentoring so much because, you know, after I completed my post-graduation and when I got my first job, that's where I learned about, you know, the importance of mentor. My supervisor was apparently, you know, my mentor, my coach. She still is. I am still in touch with her even after years. So I do realize that importance of, you know, having mentors. I love that. One of my, actually my first boss at GE is still one of my mentors, even though he's retired now. So I love that that you found that ability to carry that relationship on. Yes, absolutely. And I feel lucky that I could build that relation and, you know, sustain it still today. Yeah. It's an important one to have for sure. Absolutely. So, So as we talk about that transition a little bit out of college and now your experience working in technical documentation and the user experience design, Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about these fields, especially since I know a lot of them might not be familiar with the depth of what goes into some of these fields? Absolutely. You know, for those who might not know what technical writing is, and, you know, probably it could be our student audience as well, you know, so let me tell you that it's nothing but, you know, very simple language, you know, it is communicating complex information to end users in a way that helps them carry out a specific task and, you know, in the most seamless manner. And technical writing involves creating manuals. It could be troubleshooting documents, FAQs, requirements, all of these actually, you know, it comes under technical writing. So for example, if you buy a phone today, an Apple phone, and it comes, you know, in the box, there's a little manual there that would have been written by a technical writer. Mm-hmm. So anything that helps you operate a product, a manual, it could be 
printed, it could be a soft copy that, you know, all that is done by a technical writer. And when I talk about user experience or UX, very basic language, it is making sure that the product design is such that it is easy to operate. It's all about, you know, enhancing the entire experience that one might have while interacting with the product. So if the design is not right in the first place, you know, you'll not be able to use it and you'll not even be able to take help of the manual to operate it. So the design is the key and that's where, you know, user experience come into picture. Wonderful. One of the things I'm wondering as I'm listening to you talk about this is how you made that jump from a computer science major over to these fields. Can you tell us a little bit about the ties between the two? Absolutely. So after my post-graduation, when I first joined my job, it was with Quark Media House. It's a publishing company. And I was given the choice, you know, whether I want to be into technical writing or, you know, go into coding. At that time, I did not initially know what technical writing is. You know, I thought that I'm coming from a coding background. I've learned all the languages, all the tools I need to. I might as well become a coder. After, I think, one week of my induction within the company, I, you know, realized that let me try something new. I have never heard of this technical writing. And this was something, you know, an upcoming industry. It was booming up at that time. I thought, let me try this, you know, because it, again, does involve one to know all the tools, to know the languages, to understand computers. And I was coming from that background. So I said, okay, let's give it a shot. I had my induction. I did all the training in technical writing. And that's where I fell in love with, you know, this concept that how can you make things simple for somebody to understand? Because if I have to buy a gadget today and if I'm not able to use it, even using a manual or even if the design is not friendly, I will not like the gadget whether it's a product, gadget, anything we talk about today. That's Mm -hmm. what made me fall in love with technical writing. So it came, you know, like that for me and then followed user experience as well. So, you know, both of them do go hand in hand. And when I moved from Quark, I moved to Oracle, you know, worked there for a year. Again, I was into technical writing. But when I joined this company, BD, so, you know, there's this little story behind it. So we were Cardinal Health first, and then we spun off to CareFusion. And then in 2015, BD acquired CareFusion. And, you know, since then I am with BD, it's been 15 years, uh, you know, with this organization. And in this journey of 15 years, you know, I have, you know, played, I mean, both the roles of a technical writer as well as a user experience design when I joined the organization. So, you know, when I initially joined the R&D Center, I was the only technical writer in this company in India. And, uh, you know, I slowly and, you know, steadily established a team of writers here when, you know, we got our first assignment to migrate all the legacy work documents from, you know, for our point of care applications into an authoring tool. So I set up the team to ensure that we have a smooth migration. We had to create templates from the scratch. We had to test it. And that's when, you know, I was just managing the team of writers. And after a few years, you know, I got this opportunity to even set up and lead a user experience design team. So that was something new, but then both these fields do go hand in hand, you know, and that's where, you know, my team and, you know, I were, we were involved in redefining our brand guidelines. We worked with our design system along with our teams in U.S., That's how I'm now, you know, in a role of where I'm managing a team of technical writers as well as user experience designers. Excellent. It sounds like you've had quite some experiences between the different roles. 
Yeah, absolutely. And all these experiences have shaped, you know, my journey, my professional life as of date. Absolutely. When you look back on some of what you've done, I know you talked some about high level, the type of work you did. Have there been any favorite projects that you've worked on though? Yes, absolutely. To begin with, I think the first project when I, you know, mentioned that to, you know, migrate our legacy documents, that was definitely my favorite because uh, I got this assignment wherein, you know, there were Word documents with hundreds of pages and, you know, it was for a point of care applications. And this was something new for me again, because I had not worked in healthcare domain. I was coming from a publishing industry, then from, you know, a different industry at Oracle and, you know, moving into a healthcare industry at BD was totally different for me. But then this was my favorite assignment, definitely, even to date, to convert that entire set of, you know, legacy documents, create a template right from the scratch, making sure that it works in the authoring tool. Uh, test it. And again, why it is still my favorite is because at the end of, you know, all this, I kept in mind that there's a patient that uh, has to be taken care of and this impacts somebody's lives. So that's why, you know, till date that, you know, this, my first assignment at the organization, you know, still holds to be my favorite one. I love that. I love that you have that foundational project early that really sort of influences your, your future. Absolutely. Now, are you sure it was Word documents and not Word Perfect documents? No. <laughs> so thankfully, we had progressed from Word Perfect uh, to Word. So they were all MS Word. I would say eight hundred plus pages documents. You oh know, and, yeah. So we would open them and they would just crash. You know, so they had to be some <laughs> mechanism to convert them into a more robust system, and that's where you know we put them all, migrated them all into an authoring tool. And at that time, it was FrameMaker. Excellent. Now, pivoting a little bit away from your day job, I know that you volunteered with a number of different organizations, including SWE and WIN, which is BD's Women's Initiative Network. What's been your biggest motivation to dedicate time outside of your day job to volunteering to some of these organizations? Yes. You know, my biggest motivation stems from my passion. You know, that's what I, you know, always say. I like to support people around me and I help them grow. I like to see them grow because probably that's what even I, you know, in my initial career days, if I had not had that mentor, you know, my supervisor as my mentor, I probably would not have landed where I am today. So I like to support people around me, help them grow. And if there's something that, you know, I can share with another person and it can benefit them, whether it's in the form of my experiences or life's learning, then why not? You know, in that process, I'm learning as well. So I take it as a benefit for myself also, you and I'm learning, you know, I call it like reverse mentoring for myself. And the last couple of years, you know, specifically, I've been able to focus more on professional development for associates at BD in different ways. And I would say primarily for, you know, women associates here at BD. And I have faced these challenges, you know, at the early stages of my professional, my college life as well. And this is probably the prime reason that, you know, has helped me, you know, to translate whatever I'm doing today as, you know, my volunteer work or my passion. And that is to, you know, support women at each step in their career. And here at BD, I am, I feel so lucky. I am part of this employee resource or associate group, resource group that you might say, which is called Women's Initiative Network. We call it WIN here at BD. And I'm also leading the WIN STEM chapter at Chandigarh Center for BD. I'm also, you know, leading the Global Mentoring Advisory Council here at BD. 
And my stint with SWE for sure is, you know, it's been five years. I'm a member of SWE, you know, and I'm also a global ambassador and also, you know, a core team member of our local affiliate here. So all these platforms, you know, whether it's uh, an employee resource group or it's being part of Society of Women Engineers, I have been able to support women in all stages, sharing best practices, sharing my experiences. And I also love, you know, to research and explore ways in which I can support women in STEM, whether it's early, you know, young professionals or it could be, you know, students address their challenges and you know, provide mentorship to them. That's where my true passion lies, you know, the providing them the right mentor. And that's where, you know, in my role as a, a lead for Global Mentoring Advisory Council, we do that. Well, it sounds like you've sure found some areas to volunteer that align with your passion. And I'd like to say, I, I feel like I've done the same, right? Leading SWE right now, but I think that that's wonderful. And I love that we're able to talk about some of those. I'd love to learn a little bit more about this mentoring advisory council that you're talking about. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about the goals of that organization and how it operates? Yes, absolutely. So the Global Mentoring Advisory Council, you know, was formed at BD about a year and a half ago when we and the goal of this advisory council is to, you know, create a community, create a network of all the mentoring programs at BD. So when we started this council about a year and a half ago, this was, you know, in early 2021, we observed that there were mentoring programs that were running at BD, but, you know, they were not really centralized. They were running at different regions, different locations of businesses. The council was able to bring them all under one platform, under one forum. And this was, again, you know, we created this community. We connected all the program leaders, the mentoring program leaders of the various programs running across BD under one platform. We, you know, share best practices. We have, you know, a, I would say a Teams channel wherein, you know, we put all our resources. We meet each quarter, you know, to connect again with each program. We share program spotlights. That's the way, you know, the, all the associates at BD come to know that if they want to join a mentoring program, they know, you know, they have all the tools and resources available. And one prime you know, goal, I would say that the council achieved was the creation of a guidebook. So there's a mentoring guidebook, an objective-based mentoring guidebook of, that's available readily for any program leader, anyone who wants to launch or you know, kickstart a mentoring program at their site or within the business, they can just refer to that. So the council overall you know, works to share and disseminate the best practices across mentoring to all our associates here. I love that. I just jotted down the mentoring guidebook. I think that that's a, a best practice that hopefully I can take back to some portion of my organization and see what we can do with that. I think, that, I think it's a pretty cool idea. The entire network itself sounds amazing, but having something that makes it, I don't want to say repeatable because I feel like mentoring is never repeatable, but consistent, I think is yeah. the word I'm going for, is, is really meaningful. Absolutely. As you look across your career and some of your volunteer experience, do you have maybe one or a couple, I'll expand it to a couple if you want to go further, pieces of advice for our listeners that are trying to maybe grow within their company or you've had a few, I don't want to call them true career pivots, but a little bit of back and forth as you figured out the right area for you to play in right now with your career. Do you have any advice for those people? Yes, absolutely. I think, and probably I think I'll have a few things here again, you know, basis my experience and my journey. I would say that, you know, first thing, this is again coming from my personal experience and 
pick up stretch assignments. You know, I totally vouch mm-hmm. for that. These help you develop, you know, your skills, whether it's existing skills or, you know, if somebody wants to learn anything new. And I did that, you know, I would truly advise all the listeners that talk to your supervisor, talk to your HR to see if you can, you know, pick up a stretch, if you can shadow someone, see whatever role in your particular organization, is there anything that you want to aspire to take up in future? So, you know, you shadow that, you know, that role or that person. And also, if you think, you know, your any competencies, any of your skill set is not being utilized to the maximum, or you want to learn something new, then surely I think stretch is the right you know, uh, thing for it. So volunteer for work, volunteer for that stretch job if you have bandwidth. And I totally believe that there are problems. There are problems everywhere. Each organization has problems that we can solve. So look for that problem. Look where in a particular process or a product or a project, wherever you are, if there's a problem that you can solve and, you know, demonstrate your expertise in that. And I totally, you know, love this, you know, saying by Marshall Goldsmith, and it's my favorite that what got you here won't get you there. So mm-hmm. you have to invest in your learning. You have to invest in your growth. Don't wait for that opportunity to fall in your lap. It might not always happen. You have to grab that opportunity, look out for it. And you know, stretch is one key way to look out for that opportunity. Secondly, also, I would say that you know, go out and network within your organization. And you know, trust me, Dana, when I say that, Again, this has really, you know, worked for me as well. Uh, join employee resource groups within your organization. And even, you know, that's a great way to connect with people outside your project team. It's a great way to interact and learn from people who are, you know, not within your comfort zone, but they're outside your comfort zone. And I personally believe that, you know, one should keep all the learning avenues open. So it could be in the form of stretch, like I mentioned earlier, or it could be, you know, joining in. ERG or an ARG, you know, within the organization. And whatever I've learned, you know, over the last few years, especially, you know, as my role within our Women's Initiative Network, you know, at BD, I've got to connect with, you know, so many leaders. I've been part of some important conversations, got some key assignments as well, you know, that has, you know, that have positively impacted someone's professional development. So all this learning, you know, all this uh, networking, the interaction, it has personally helped me learn the nuances of, you know, business, of strategic thinking, of leadership. So absolutely, you know, I totally vouch for it. Take up stretch assignments, join ERGs if you have that option. They do, you know, help you bring back all the knowledge to your day job, to your project. And thirdly, like I'm a firm believer that, you know, mentoring helps you know it does aid to your personal and professional development so go out and you know find a mentor if you it could be your supervisor like in my case it was my supervisor initially it could be anybody within your organization or even outside but you know it's very important to find a mentor that would you know help aid your personal and professional you know development and i think lastly i would say that make sure you speak for yourself you know and your work Mm -hmm. So, you know, do not ever assume that if you've done something remarkably well or you've made an impact with your work, you know, do speak about it. Share it with your supervisor. Never hesitate to do that. At times, especially I think women, we feel that if we are talking about a work, it might sound as if, you know, we are being boastful about the work, but it's not. We should be talking about the good work that we're doing and we should be talking about our wins. We should be talking about our learnings. I would say that, you know, it's basically creating executive presence. So Mm -hmm. talk about your work, speak about it. And, you know, 
let it show. I think these few things have really helped me as well. And I hope, you know, they do help our listeners as well. I think those are all great pieces of advice, Mandeep. I'm going to tie a bow around a couple of them here. Absolutely. And selfishly, this is because I'm currently working on my year-end review, right? As I'm doing Mm -hmm. my, my own reflection. I think to your point about selling your skills, telling people what you've done, especially if you're taking on that stretch assignment or you've got a leadership position in an ERG or something like that, where it's not quite as visibly tied to your day job, don't be afraid to get up and share that. I think that's where we've got the opportunity with our managers, with our leadership to highlight some of those skills we've got. And I hope that's the sort of thing in our organization's that help us get to the next level, that help us get that promotion or the the bigger assignment or any of that as we look towards how our careers can grow. True, true. Absolutely. I mean, this for sure, you know, the last point that I mentioned, I mean, I've observed it, you know, even around me at times, especially, like I said, you know, not to sound biased, but I you know, do feel that women don't mm-hmm. tend to speak up as much, you know, and, you know, share their work, share their victory, share their wins, but they should be. Absolutely. Agreed completely. Way back when I was chair of the SWE of SWE's Awards and Recognition Committee. And mm-hmm. that was part of the reason I loved that group was because we actually had the opportunity to highlight some of these women that were maybe a little more shy about their achievements. And I just thought it was a great platform for stuff like that. Sure. Well, Mandeep, I have enjoyed our time together today. Thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with me. I'm hopeful I'll get to see you in We Local India. Yes, yes. Excellent. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm so looking. I'm so looking forward for that. I'm sure it's great to be able to have those connections back in person again. So I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dan. I really enjoyed our conversation, you know, today and sharing with you, sharing with everyone, you know, about my journey, my experiences. I think it's a big thing for me. Like I said, I hope you know it does help someone. It does help someone in their journey. But thank you, I think, for giving me this opportunity. Well, thank you, Mandeep. I also hope it helps someone in their journey. I'm sure that some listener somewhere will take a few of these nuggets and build their experience based on that. So hopeful as well. I'm Dana. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your social network. You can keep up to date with our podcast on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast and on our blog, all together at altogether.swe.org.